This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly, an extraordinary pair of quarterfinals with credit to listener Charlie who wrote, with the Croatians not tiring and the Dutch getting it launched, is this the best day in pod history? Every team were on their knees at one point or the other, the Croatians were going out, the Dutch in the last minute of injury time, Brazil are gone along with their manager and it will be Argentina-Croatia for a place in the World Cup final. Two penalty shootouts, the big question, when should your best player take one and why shouldn't it be last? Before that, the wonderful Dutch free kick, two big men up top, Messi's glorious pass, a tough game to ref for me Clive, I think every player was booked. And what could you say about Croatia? Somehow they got back into it after Neymar's brilliant goal and they won't get tired ever, not ever. Also today we'll look ahead to tomorrow's games, big decisions for Gareth Southgate, all that plus our very strong views on Harry and Meghan. Your questions and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Nikki Bandini, welcome. Hiya. Hello, Barry Glenn Denning. Hiya. Troy Townsend, hello. Hi, Max. So then let's begin with the Netherlands, Argentina. Finished 2-2 after that remarkable comeback uh, from the Dutch and Wout Weghorst. Uh, but Argentina go through on penalties. Before we talk to the panel, here is a voice note from uh, a tired and emotional Marcelo Mora y Jaraujo, who's in the stadium. Here's a little voice note from a very relieved Argentinian contingent here in Doha. It was so close. I don't think anyone um, could take any more, actually. Not even the players. But the delightful news is that we live to pod at least one more time. And what an incredible day of football with Brazil bowing out and Argentina playing on in these terrible penalty shootouts after hundreds of minutes of football. I don't think I can take it into my old age. You are right, Marcelo. We we live to pod another day or or whatever the phrase is. Um, And what a game. I mean, I'm not sure... There's that phrase, you know, a game has everything. I'm not sure, Nikki, anything was missing from this one. Yeah, that's um, that's probably a fair way to say it. I mean, I think uh, quite far into the game, you thought, 
well, I at least thought we were going to be coming on here and talking about Messi and how brilliant he was, how outrageous that pass is for the first um, for the first goal by Molina. And, and then, of course, scoring the penalty as well to really sort of continue what's felt like this could be his World Cup at 35 years old at last. Um, and that now feels like a whole different evening. Like that feels like it was completely different, like time that that happened. I can barely remember it. Um, Cause then we had chapter two or the sequel or whatever you want to call it, which is well, my coming off the bench and scoring. I think, I think producer George has said this. I'm sorry if I'm stealing someone else's stat as many goals now for the Netherlands at a world cup as he did for Burnley in total. No, it's, it's Richard jo- Jolly's stat. He scored as many goals against Argentina as he scored for Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for ruining that stat. I just it was in my head because I just That's heard right. it. But yes, of course, you know, and and in such a ridiculous way as well because I think like after that first goal, he scores that, and you think why haven't why haven't they been doing this all night? I mean, even before Vekos came on, you had Gagpo up front, who's a, a big guy, and he'd been taking set pieces in the in the in the first half. You're thinking why aren't you sort of mismatching him up against these sort of shorter defenders and getting that ball in there and taking advantage of your height advantage. And then, of course, they scored the, the equaliser with a goal that's nothing like that. A little well-worked move on the floor. Just when you're thinking they're going to lump it in one last time. A goal in the 100th minute. So, yeah, 10 minutes into injury time. Then we get extra time. Then we get penalties. Then we get in between all that. I think it was at 2-1, wasn't it? The bench clearing sort of brawl as well. And and it looked like actually the, the British TV coverage cut away from it, but it looked like Vekos got into it with Emmy Martinez after his penalty as well. But we only didn't see that very, very well on British TV. So people listening might have more idea what went on then. So I'm sure I've missed something. I mean, there was 15 yellow cards or 14 yellow cards. I don't know, 100 yellow cards. It was a crazy <laughs> game of football, Max. It was bonkers. Surely, surely someone got two yellows and just the ref just just had run out of paper <laughs> run out of space on his yellow card michael says hang that free kick in the louvre max i mean it was such a moment barry wasn't it i mean i know argentina are through but that moment was just absolutely extraordinary uh yeah i was lying on the sofa and when they they took the kick i was like what the, what the hell is he doing like i thought he scoffed it or something and then it was like watching in slow motion and the, the absolute stones on them to try that <laughs> in the 11th minute of added time when you're losing rather because if it hadn't worked they would have been pilloried mocked rotten fruit chucked at them at the airport when they got home but it did work and it turns out that um old wout has done that before in the bundesliga pulled off a, a almost an exact replica of that free kick so uh the argentinians Hadn't done the research. Um, but, yeah, I just can't get over the, the bravery to try it at, at at such a time and with so much at stake. And there's so much that could have gone wrong, but it didn't go wrong. Now, I'm going to be Johnny Buzzkill here, or Barry Buzzkill. It should have been disallowed. Because? And I'm surprised that the referee, who was fussiness and personified didn't disallow it it should have been disallowed because the dutch player standing to veghort's right as the free kick was lined up was not a meter away from the argentinian wall when the free kick was struck he was actually he moved across so it either should have been i think it should have been a retake but it certainly shouldn't have been allowed to stand 
you're not going to spoil that beautiful moment no, I, at oh, that moment be... in time. Barry, no, come I mean, on. <laughs> I'm absolutely... Look, I, I pointed this out on Twitter. I said, as, as outrageously good as the free kick was, this is why it should have been disallowed. And I'm getting pelters <laughs> over it. Just, just, <laughs> just for for being aware of this rule. It's a funny rule, isn't it? But but I am um... I think it was introduced to stop opposition players trying to infiltrate. Right. Yes. Attacking players infiltrating the defensive wall. I mean, it would have been extreme pendry. I feel dirty for even bringing it up, but I, I think it needs to be pointed yeah, out. Yeah, fair. And maybe the Argentinians, maybe the Argentinians had a point when they were absolutely furious afterwards because they also knew the law. Um, Troy, what's your sort of general feeling about that game? Max, there's pointless. My notes are absolutely pointless on the game. I'll tell you that for a fact. Uh, half halfway through, I'm going how massively disappointed I am with the Dutch. They've got. They didn't have a plan to win the game. They're obviously not in love with Van Gaal as much as he thinks he, they are. You know, Depay walks off disgusted the fact that he's been taken off, although he's not contributed to any part of the game. And then the guy that comes on for him does that twice, you know. And uh, I thought the game was boring. If you want me to be totally honest, I didn't think it was a great game. I thought the game was boring. I thought Argentina did bits that they had to do. Messi's produced the moment of magic. The Molinas, to be fair, as a fullback, what a great finish. You've got Kuna on the other side, who was amazing for Argentina as well. So it's a real night of fullbacks. And I'm just massively disappointed with the way the Dutch approached the game. And then he pulls out the cars, doesn't he, Van Gaal? He's going, we're going long ball and, you know, we're just going to do it the good old-fashioned way. And then he stops doing it the good old-fashioned way and gives the initiative back to Argentina. Um, cr- crazy yeah. game. I guess. I guess that's the that's the hard thing, isn't it? When you've got big man, big man, and you're getting it launched in a panic, and then suddenly you've got another thirty minutes to do that. It sort of feels like maybe <laughs> maybe you can't do that. Mister Sleepy says, "How excited were you when Veghorst joined Luke de Jong on the field during an actual <laughs> World Cup knockout game, and then fucking scored a great header? We're a Vincent Janssen away from the Holy Trinity." Unsure man said, "Give it Daishi till the end of the match." Um, Duncan Alexander Veghorst is on two goals from 10 touches at the moment when he sent that tweet Spain scored two goals from 3,247 touches in the last three games get it launched but at the end of it all Nicky it's Argentina who are through it feels like the story was the Dutch because of their comeback but I can't work out of Argentina I sort of agree with Troy actually the game was meandering until that header and the Argentina probably deserved it in a way although I found their shithousery by the end like when Paredes just boots the ball at the bench I'm like that's just I like shithousery that was just too far for me and I started supporting the Dutch at that point yes listening to to Baz of relive that Vekos goal like it started in my head like coming together more and more like that moment at the end of the Disney sports movie where they're like coach comes in and says we're gonna do this play the one that we practice and everyone goes coach you're crazy we can't do that play <laughs> and and when you think about it in that framing Argentina as the villains makes more and more sense you know they kick the ball at the bench that's what the big bad boys do in the movie isn't it that's what the mean ones do but actually no I, I thought they were the better team for for 90 minutes certainly and then the better team again in extra time so I guess the better team for 120 minutes overall which is um, quite a lot of the game when you think of it yeah, yeah really I mean th- look I think I think between the two goals that, that the Netherlands scored Argentina did 
as you know, foreshadowing the next section, the same thing that Brazil did, which is they, they stopped playing and, and they got in trouble for it. And they, they could have avoided that situation because they did get too sort of perhaps nervous with the situation, too, too overawed by it. Um, and they also weren't brilliant when they were on top. It's not like they were playing scintillating football. I think exactly as Troy said, what you did have was Leo Messi, to dwell on it a little bit more, doing something genuinely astonishing. I mean, that assist for the first goal, the more times I saw it, the more I couldn't get my head around it because the angle that he plays that ball back at, the fact that he even sees it. You know, we've seen Leo Messi do that run across the pitch so many times. And at PSG, he's always looking for Mbappe on the far flank. You've got someone right in front of you, which makes sense because you can see that person running in front of you. You can't see the guy who's running behind you to the right. I don't know how that happens, but somehow he knows he's there and puts the ball exactly where it needs to be. So it was it was that sort of slightly weird game where they weren't brilliant, but they were better and Leo Messi was enough of a difference. And the Netherlands weren't good for a lot of the game. I thought that they were the sort of architects of their own downfall. Denzel Dumfries gives away a really stupid penalty that he could avoid, but by the way, to everyone who was raving about Dumfries after the last game, this is the Denzel Dumfries experience from someone who watches Serie A a lot, like you get both. It really did feel, without putting too fine a point on it, like Valt Weghorst just changed the game on his own. Without that, I think the Netherlands wouldn't have made it to injury time. Extra time, sorry. Dave says, why is this Spanish ref blowing his whistle like he's at a rave in the 90s rather than speaking to the players and calming things down? <laughs> Sergio Aguero tweeted, how this referee likes to attract attention, my God. And Bob says... To be fair, his failure to control the players has added enormously to my enjoyment of the game. Um, Mathieu Lahoz, I, I, I do think, Barry, it, it would have been an impossible game to... Re- it was like, we saw Michael Ove actually ref Brazil Croatia very well, but it was a much easier game to referee. This would I would have been bad had I been in the middle and I wouldn't have known what to do. Now, I'm not a qualified ref, but I couldn't work out if he was awful. It was just no one would be able to ref that game. Uh, I think he was pretty bad, Um I think he inf- further inflamed an already inflammatory situation, and uh, that that he seemed to be needlessly fussy, card happy. I don't think a lot of the yellow cards he dished out were justified. Or several of them were unjustified, in my opinion. And he during that when Paradise hit the ball into the the ben- Dutch bench, and there was that big brouhaha on the pitch. He was just, as the listener says, walking around blowing it like he was at a rave. And I'm not sure how that helps anyone or helps calm the situation at all. <laughs> he didn't want to book Messi, did he? No. <laughs> that was one person. He did in the end. He did yeah. in the end. But yeah, he could have yeah. booked him quite a few times, to be honest. But yeah, yeah it's one of those. I'll, I'll be surprised if we see him again, to be totally honest. There's my like, toe yeah, like, with, with, with Barry, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, I actually thought Acuna could have got a red for that raking down the ankle. And I thought yeah. Paredes maybe it's a yellow for the foul and then it's a yellow for kicking the ball, just smacking it at the opposition. And, and I always think this. Some teams, you know, good shithousery teams want to create a melee when they're winning with not a lot of time to go because it uses up a lot of time. Um, and I, Nicky, I know like, Sid, Sid will we'll get him on we'll chat about this ref at some point. But you, you are, you know, you've obviously seen what I have in Champions League games. Well, yeah, I, I know a little bit about him. He's he's got a reputation in Spain, and funnily enough, um, 
contrary to what the the listener was saying um, before, like he actually I think is quite reputed for talking to players too much, almost like getting too sort of touchy feely with, with footballers and being sort of arms around them. And there was an incident, I think it was earlier this year, with Sergio, Sergio Canales at, at Real Betis, where he got two bookings in second half injury time, and and afterwards. My husband was saying, oh, it's because he was trying to tell me how to do the job. And then when it comes out, it turns out that what Canales said to him was, oh, can we have another minute of injury time? Sort of joking with him a bit. And he said, you know, don't tell me how to do my job to him. And he came back and said, well, then don't be so, fr- you know, don't ask me what's going on in my life then, because he's always so chatty with players. And he books him twice. So this is the sort of sort of slightly... He has a reputation of being the centre of the story a lot when he um, referees games in, in Spain and uh, and he certainly take them that with him to the World Cup. I did like Martin Keown saying uh, um, Messi could control the ball in a phone box, which actually wouldn't be a very difficult thing to do. Would it? <laughs> there's nowhere for the ball to go. Like You know, you can trap anything in a phone box. Yeah, I suppose now, and now we've got, and we'll get on to the Croatia-Brazil game, but now we've got Argentina-Croatia in a semi-final. Troy, I... I I find that very hard. I find it very hard to pick, but I imagine there'll be bookings. That's, that's what I think about it. <laughs> uh, listen, it's, it's one of those. I'm, I'm not sure that I'd be able to to predict any any result from now on in. Um, Croatia uh, again will approach the game in exactly the same manner that they have for most of the tournament, and who's going to bet? Who could bet against them for the way that they've done that either as well. Um, while Argentina will, will rely on the magician. Um, I was interested in that Di Maria obviously is not fit because the game was crying out for him. Um, and he only came on really, really late. So I think they would hope that he, because he gives them another bit of a threat. He's probably been, um, you know, the biggest threat away from Messi throughout the, the previous round. So uh, Max, I haven't got a clue. It was, it, all signs go to a penalty shootout, that's for sure. I'll tell you one thing, uh, that... Um... That that graphic misses next match <laughs> might might come up a lot with Argentina, mightn't it, Baz? Um, I don't know how you see that semi final. If you've got any more salient thoughts about um, about this game, because as Troy said, my notes are all over the shop. Yeah, I I think I stopped taking notes uh, <laughs> after the Veghorst free kick and just just enjoyed the rest of it. But um, I I think. Argentina will progress, and I'm not sure exactly why. Nikki has just sent on the subject of shit has an amazing photo on Twitter of the moment that La Torre Martinez strikes the winning penalty. Obviously, he's not in this photo. It's the Argentina players basically giving it, giving it to the Dutch players who are on the, who are crumpling. It's like they're not all on their knees. They're they're in the process of crumpling, and there is Otamendi who is sort of cupping both ears. It's like a double Hulk Hogan right in the faces. And you think, oh, I mean, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 It would be hypocritical of me to criticise shithousery, given how much I talk about it and embrace it. <laughs> oh, but there's something about that that really, it's just sort of, you know, surely at some point you shake someone's hand and say, jolly well done. Or maybe you do that afterwards. I don't know. But what an extraordinary, what an extraordinary game it was. And actually, the two, because the last 16, Nicky, wasn't, the games weren't all amazing. Well, they had amazing moments, but they weren't like real contests. And we've seen two like real contests today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've just said they weren't necessarily perfect games of football. Like some of it was 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 better than the rest. But in terms of drama, you couldn't ask for much more, could you? Both games going to shootouts, both of them um, 
with one team that I suppose quite close to the end thought they were through and then wasn't and then and then two very different outcomes but yeah there's there's been no shortage of incidents certainly tonight uh, James says anyone else not only thinking how amazing that free kick was but also the faces of Barney Ronay and Jonathan Wilson as, as they had to tear up their match reports um, oh uh, Michael says where on earth is Infantino uh, did yeah. his broadcast cameo contract expire after the round of 16 it's a very good point he, he didn't turn up in either game why did the camera not pan to Gianni at this point I would imagine his PR team have made him aware of the fact that everyone has <laughs> wised up to what was going on about his obligatory uh, cutaways and that's that's why they've stopped at least if you know if you've asked for the camera to be shot on you in the five minutes at least for five minutes look like you're enjoying the game for christ's sake you can stop looking at your phone after five minutes uh, at miguel delaney amongst others tweeting that uh, bob marley's son uh, was uh, playing at half time and playing get up stand up stand up for your rights which Interesting, many layers to, to that bit of the story. Anyway, uh, that'll do for part one. Part two, uh, we'll find out if the Croatians are tired or not. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, in true Football Weekly style, uh, Chiche, the uh, Brazilian head coach, uh, stepped down from his role after we'd finished recording the bit when we talked about the Brazil-Croatia game. Um, so we don't reference that, but I'm referencing it now uh, after we've talked about uh, the Netherlands-Argentina game. There's a quote from him saying, as I said, my cycle is over. I said it over a year and a half ago. I keep to my word. We shouldn't make a drama out of it. As I said this one and a half years ago, there are other great professionals that can replace me. There could be elements to analyse, but the cycle is over. Uh, On to the game. Croatia won, Brazil won. Uh, Croatia threw 4-2 on penalties. David says, do you think Croatia have a photo of Max saying they must be tired? <laughs> In their, in their dressing room. Callum says, I was so tired. I fell asleep on the sofa for half the match. And I only had a slightly late night. How the hell are Croatia not still tired? Christian says, will Max still be saying at the time of the 2038 World Cup as Croatia gear up for another quarterfinal? Surely, surely Modric and everyone must be tired by now. Eric says, I finally want Football Weekly merch that combines the words Croatia and tired. Andrew says Croatia are going to be absolutely knackered by the time they play England in the final, aren't they? And Volodymyr says Vraka il Sedkuci, which is, I believe, Croatian for it's coming home. Um, they are just, Barry, immense, aren't they? You've got to take your hat off to them. Uh, a country who consistently punch above their weight, who looked beaten when Neymar scored, 
Uh, I think everyone was on their knees, with the possible exception of Dian Lovren, who was trying to rally them. They caught Brazil upfield with a brilliant guardial tackle that more or less was the foundation stone for the move from which they scored. And they are remarkable. It's They just don't know when they're beaten. Uh, even when it looked like they knew they were beaten, <laughs> they still came back and won. It is I think this is now the sixth successive World Cup knockout match that uh, Brazil have won or lost against European opposition. Not that that really counts for much, but it it's an interesting stat. And it, I presume it must be about the 15th penalty shootout in a row that Croatia have won. I, I haven't checked. I mean, Nicky, Dominic... Livakovic, their keeper. I mean, he was brilliant all game. It wasn't like all the saves he had to make were amazing, but he made them all, and then he's the hero in the shootout as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think there was sort of a few people like wondering to themselves, is this like a World Cup story, or is he someone who who's just been quietly doing this for a while? And you know, certainly a few voices out there saying, no, no, he's been doing this for a while. It's just, you know, you guys are missing it when he's out there doing it for, for Zagreb. But he's he's been astonishing. I, I was thinking in, in the shootout specifically, because the penalties against Japan, okay, I think you say three, but they were really bad penalties. I mean, really, Japan's penalties were, were really, really bad. And I was thinking that going into this, this sort of shootout, well, maybe he wasn't that special and they were just such bad penalties and this will be some sort of... But I was wondering almost if like... When you go up to take that penalty against him, do you have in your head, this guy saved three penalties last time? And then if you're, um, it was Marquinhos taking the last one, wasn't it? If you're him and you're going up and he's already seen him save one in this shootout and three shirts and last, three penalties in the last one. I thought Marquinhos really, like, really went for the corner so hard. And I was wondering to myself, how much of that, that just kid hitting the post, is him telling himself, this has to be perfect. This can't be any old penalty. I've got to get it right into that corner. And maybe that's over reading into it. But yeah, I mean, what, in the second half, it was something like Brazil eight shots, Croatia's none. It felt like a game that should have been settled in 90 minutes. But he was always there and he was there again in the shootout. For Troy, that Marquinhos penalty was on target. But um, I... <laughs> I mean, I, I just—I mean, I, the game only finished a few minutes ago, Troy. I just can't get over Croatia. I mean, they were just—they their setup was brilliant. Modric was absolutely peerless in this game, and yet in the preview we thought they're pretty blunt going forward, and they are blunt going forward. But I just thought they were sensational. They were just sensational today. It makes me wonder. I wonder if the Belgians are watching this game and thinking to themselves, you know, we're overage, so I wonder what the Croatians are. <laughs> um, it, it just, I, I, I don't get it. They, to a man, they know their roles. Um, they carry their roles out to the best of their ability. You said Modric was unbelievable. Modric is Luka Modric. He, he just plays the same way all the time. Um, but Jovanovic obviously was the star because he had Junior going back the wrong way when Vinicius likes to go the other way and he couldn't and he couldn't keep tracking him and he couldn't keep up with him. And one of the times when he had to track Vinicius back, he did it quite comfortably and kept the ball. Um, and I thought he was the one that kind of showed us how Croatia were going to approach this game. I don't know how a team plays for a draw, goes one behind and still gets the draw to then win on penalties. I, I really don't know. I really don't know. But they do it so well. And they're going to be a threat, whoever they play in the semi-final. They're going to be an absolute threat. 
It's almost like a, they're staging a, a series of heist movies, you know? <laughs> so these gnarled old pros going out, one last job, right? Okay, one more, one last job, and, and yet another last job. Um, <laughs> they are remarkable, and there were so many good performances, and yet they probably weren't the best team in the game, but this, they're through. They, they were the best to their standards, Barry, weren't they? You know, ultimately, Brazil cut them open a few times. The keepers made the save. Neymar, uh, you know, has had a couple of chances, one that he slipped. And then he produces that just pure genius of a goal. That That is what world-class players do. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that he hears the criticism that he's getting, but he, he just kept going and he stood up and... The dummy on the keeper at the end was the thing that got made the goal happen, really. I know the the, the one-twos were great, but that dummy on a keeper that's playing out of his skin and has done for the whole of the tournament, and as Croatians rightly tell us, as Nicky has just said, that is him all over. To do that and then to finish in that way was just superb. And I think the Brazilians thought that, that, all, that that's all they had to do. Um, and it will be a 1-0 victory. I was going to say, make a reference. I'm not very confident because I don't watch a lot of superhero movies right but I feel like there was a moment there where like Livakovic is he's he's been the superhero he's been the one who's sort of infallible and finally that's the moment when he's becomes fallible because Neymar did something extraordinary and it was such, such a brilliant goal it was it was a moment well worthy of winning a quarterfinal and having had a pretty rubbish game I thought Neymar to be honest you up to that point reminding us that he's got this vision and talent that can change something seeing that gap making those two one twos and I thought even the strength to hold off Sosa at the end was really something there's sort of this this I don't know in, in a narrative this moment of like oh the invincible person isn't invincible like they're they're broken they you've you've, you've done it but then that wasn't the end of the story it just wasn't and I, I yeah I, I, it, we are recording this just afterwards and I don't even fully sort of feel like I've processed it, but that capacity of of Croatia to find something else from somewhere when, when even at that moment when it felt like they're 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 they'd been broken at last is is something else. Yeah, Robin. Robin on the preview said, "Look, you you need to reverse over them again, right? You know that's the point <laughs> with Brazil." And and she was spot on because, as you said, Barry, if you took a still shot just after Neymar scores, not of the Brazilians but of the Croatian players. Like you say, they are sprawling. It's like Sammy Kafur, isn't it? For, yeah. for one, one of them's in the back of the net. Exactly. Um, you know, the, the rest of them are slumped, either on their backs or on their knees. Yeah, and if you said that's the team that are going through, right? <laughs> in Twenty minutes, you'd be like, "There's just no way at all." Um, quite a lot of people have asked about Neymar not taking a penalty until the fifth. We presume he was the fifth. Rob says, you know, thoughts on star players waiting until the last penalty and missing out being very funny, says says Rob. I and mean, it is odd that Neymar, who is a brilliant penalty taker, is waiting for the fifth one. Troy. Why is it odd, though? I, I don't really get that argument, to be totally honest. There's five penalty Well, because he's good, at scoring, he's good at scoring a penalty, yeah, and so then Marquinhos doesn't take one. I've never understood that argument. You take a penalty where you feel most comfortable taking it. Um, you could score the first one and the others miss the next three or four, whatever it may be. I just, I'm not really into that argument. And I know there's a lot of people steer towards it because they think that he's being some kind of, you know, this is the superhero bit where he comes and saves the day. But the way that the Croatians was pen- was taking the penalties, he was the one that would have had to have kept them in the in the penalty shootout, let alone anything else. So 
I don't really buy into that. I've heard it quite a number of times, and I and I keep hearing people do it when Ronaldo, step, you know, doesn't take the fifth one, or or, or you know, I, I just don't buy into it. But I can understand that people love that kind of narrative and that conversation, so they'll run with it. Well, I think I do buy it. Like I do buy it. Like if you're the best penalty taker and you take the most penalties, take a penalty. Make sure you take one. Make sure you take one. So always take the first. Is that where you're going? So Ed, the best penalty yeah. take should... Yeah. I, listen, yeah. I don't agree with it. I think that you have enough confidence in the people that you select to take the penalties that, you, you know, you'll still, you know, may not even need to get to the fifth one. But listen, it, it, it's all an opinion, is it? And that's why we're here. So no doubt you'll rubbish me later on and I'll get slaughtered on social for it, just like my <laughs> Marquinhos has hit the oh, post and it's, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> I have friends in this, in this industry who support me. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I've always understood that it's the logic is your best penalty takers go. F- your best penalty taker goes first. Your second best goes second, and so on. And then you, you know, end up with as Ireland did with uh, David O'Leary. David O'Leary, uh, or or Sunderland, famously with Mickey Gray taking the worst penalty of all time, after um, Daniel Dicio had refused to take one. <laughs> I mean, Modric is the is the penalty taker for Croatia. He took the third one. Is that acceptable? Yeah, that is acceptable. <laughs> still in the, the, the art of winning the game because yeah? you're definitely going to get at least one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're definitely right. going to get. the So third you deferred a little bit you? there because you said yeah. your best penalty taker always take the first one. Yes, I have a little bit, Nikki. <laughs> I love that moment. I don't know if anyone else noticed it, but like, because Casemiro takes to Brazil and then hands the ball to Modric. Yeah. I love that little sort of moment between them, the little sort of look of acknowledgement. I, I wonder what was going through Casemiro's head because he must have known Modric's going to take a great penalty because it's Luka Modric and he hasn't missed a parcel game. I thought the Orsic penalty was amazing. I mean, that was such, it's so in the side netting. It was brilliant. Um, Jesus is, is, is Brazil without dancing just Norwich? Um, <laughs> <laughs> This is a little harsh, but they, I mean, they, because, because they were so good, Nikki, against South Korea, especially in that first half. And it was Samba and dancing and all that. And you knew Croatia would be harder, but you did expect them to do more. And I know like for Croatia to see off Richarlison, Vinicius Julia and Rafinha, right? They did everything right. But you, I still expected more from Brazil today. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like we probably still haven't, like, because we focused on the keeper and, and then the penalties, like, talked about how good Croatia were at the things they did well. I mean, I thought at the beginning of the game, they came out with that really aggressive sort of scheme of of pressing Casemiro on the turn, not giving them space to get the ball out. And that was really effective. So they were clever in how they neutralised that. They also really sort of kept Vinicius Jr. from creating any impact at all to the point that he gets taken off. And there was a lot that was down to how well Croatia were playing. Kovacic in the first half was absolutely monstrous, I thought, in terms of just winning the ball as well, not just sort of what he does on the ball that you look for. And and, and Brozovic, one of his strong performances as well, as I've already said, Modric not giving the ball away. There was a lot that was making it hard for Brazil. But I think you could certainly flip that around and say, okay, well, especially in the second half, when they did have a lot of the ball and they did have opportunities how many of those opportunities were like really really like oh they should definitely score there like th- there weren't many were there for how much of it felt like they were in charge um and you know I was pondering this sort of it's a great cartoon that, that circulates sort of regularly on I think it's an XKCD um cartoon which is random number generator spits out a bunch of random numbers and then two sports broadcasters saying, let's build a narrative out of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking to myself, you could do this either way with the Neymar situation. Brazil, can't you? Because 
you know, I think a lot of people felt like maybe Neymar could have been brought off for how he was playing. He wasn't impacting the game that much. And then he scores the goal and you go, well, okay, actually, of course it was right to leave Neymar on the pitch. But then they don't win. So maybe if you'd taken Neymar off, you would have scored twice and something else would have happened. So you can go around in loops on these things. Um, but I, I, I definitely think that Brazil's struggles going forward are a lot to do with what Croatia did right. I think they, I think they were very sort of canny in the way they managed what Brazil did well. And it did take, in the end, Neymar just being Neymar to find a way through them. Yeah. And, and defensive shape, Troy, isn't necessarily the most fascinating thing to talk about. Like Danny, Danny Higginbottom sent a tweet saying, look, Croatia defensively set up so well. At no point is any player isolated 1v1. Units all compact and close. Every player knows where to send the opposition player in possession of the ball. And that is pretty spot on, isn't it? Yeah, I thought, listen, and I think because of the way they set up and because of the way they controlled the Brazilian front three, at ease, by the way, I thought Brazil then stepped off the pedal a little bit and thought, well, let's draw Croatia on and let them come at us so then we can pick the gaps off and then maybe create a little bit more than what we were doing in in the original kind of start of the game. And I think it happened, but Croatia very quickly got back to their shape. And it's what I said from the very beginning. Every single one of those players that stepped on the on the field for Croatia knew their roles. And they knew if they let the team down or didn't get back into that shape really quickly, um, then the likelihood was Brazil would expose them. And even when they were in the shape, they were, you know, those one-on-ones that Neymar had after Richarlison slid through. You can't defend against those. That is just good play. There was a, a stage in the second half where Brazil were attacking at them and all four defenders were in a perfect line, almost as if they were holding hands with each other with a, or having a bit of rope alongside them. And that's when you knew how well they were drilled. There does seem to be a, a sort of inevitability about this conversation meandering towards what can Gareth <laughs> learn from Croatia's performance. But, and before it does, I'd just like to say, it did seem to me uh, that at times during the game, Croatia deliberately slowed it down. like And just, they were more or less dictating the tempo throughout, which seemed quite clever. Mm. And they passed the ball more than Brazil. It wasn't just that, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a low block and you know, part the bus. It was more than that. And they're so good on the ball. And Modric, I know we've talked about it already, but it's not just keeping the ball. It's like every time he passes the ball, it's to the it's to the exact right place for for his teammate. You know, so he's 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 passing it two passes ahead. So the next player has an easier pass. And and like the way he delays it is just the time he has on the ball, it's just it's totally it's completely ridiculous. But but it's also, Max, the players around him knowing their captain, you know. So he's making, making little three, four, five-yard passes, little creative passes. But every time he's moving that Brazilian line. So let's be honest, forwards don't like to chase down. But the Brazilian forwards were chasing down to the point where they then got fed up because Modric kept moving the ball. Perisic kept moving the ball. And then they would exploit a space um, in another era. And... I think you're right. I think it was a, a massive game of chess and it was a game of chess that they were winning because of the way they were keeping the ball. And and, and that frustrates Brazil because Brazil are, are normally the dominant you know side when it comes to keeping the ball. So to, to see those stats come out, um, I don't know what the percentages were, but that just shows how good they were on and off the ball that makes the perfect game for them. Yeah, so 45% possession Croatia, 42% possession Brazil, 13% in contest, right? So that's sort of, I know, it's bouncing around or whatever. Croatia completed 711 passes, Brazil 700. Sort of, 
you just you would just expect Brazil to pass the ball more, wouldn't you? Nick says, um, "How much Croatian folk dancing is the right amount of Croatian <laughs> folk dancing?" I mean, I, and I don't know if it matters, Barry, but like, does it make them all dancing with Tite last game out look a bit silly now, or they're two different games and who cares? I'd be very much from the two different games, who cares camp. You know, there will probably be people who say that the Croatian players' kids being let on the field to celebrate with them after was in some way disrespectful. I I don't care how people celebrate mm. when good things happen to them because absolutely agree. good things don't happen to people often enough. So by all means, do whatever you want. Fair enough. Um, Hugh said, has, has Juranovic been listening to the pod? He's clearly taking the John Arnorisa approach to playing fullback against winger. Yeah, he got forward so well, didn't he, in that game, as you mentioned. Uh, um, and, and what for Brazil now, Nicky? I mean, like, it, it, quarterfinal is not sort of good enough for Brazil, is it? Especially, there was so much about Neymar and, and sort of the... Of, of all the different narratives of who should win this World Cup, Neymar had one, didn't he? One, well, it was his one to win, and I just wonder how they will. It will feel, especially after how brilliant they were in that first half, where they danced or not, last game out, and however defensively open South Korea were, this will feel pretty devastating. Yeah, I, I think I feel I feel in my soul right now, like coming to the Italian to ask how the Brazilians will feel about a World Cup disappointment again. But I mean, look, there are certain countries that go into World Cups with different like ideas about themselves and, and Brazil have earned that, right? They've won five World Cups, so they get to go into World Cups thinking they should be um a, a team that gets to compete to the end of all of them. But the reality is it's not since two thousand and two and and now it's going to be a, a while longer. I always sort of worry that the trend is more and more towards just European teams being the ones at the end of these competitions because of the way that money has concentrated and because of the way that European leagues have have, have strengthened and how club football knocks on for international football. But that might be a whole sort of um, a whole false path in my own mind that doesn't necessarily lead somewhere that's um, I think about. Well, I think selfishly, like I'm, I'm delighted Croatia won Troy because. They were just incredible. Mm -hmm. But like, I would have quite liked Brazil to carry on in the tournament because they're Brazil. Yeah, that you've got me there, Max, because that's always me. Um, they're always going to be one of the fancy side, no matter how they qualify, just because they are Brazil. And I'd already set up for the Brazil-Argentina semi-final, so I don't know what to do now. Um, it was, for me, it seemed like quite logical that that would be the final stages of... Uh, you know, and it, it's, you know, but I have to look back and say they've only got themselves to blame. You know, Neymar scored and he's got that, you know, he's equaled that remarkable record of Pelé that will probably mean nothing to him right now, of course, because he'll be devastated that they're not going further. But there's something not right with the Brazilian setup and it hasn't been for a very long time now because 24 years is a very, very long time. And I'd be surprised if they go home yet as well. Um, I, they may take a detour before they get back home to see if it died, the, the clamour dies down. Well, you make a good point, actually. Like, what are they doing at 1-0 with that? Like, it, the Croatia goal was, it was a nice move, but it was, it was quite easy, really. Like, it wasn't like, like the Brazil goal was hard to score. It was a brilliant move, right? You're 1-0 up. You can, you, you don't need to attack. You know, it's the first time that even Brazil had really been exposed in that way. And, you kind of think to yourself it was going to happen. You know, it wasn't a clean strike. It's taken deflection. It's gone just outside of, of Alisson's reach. But they should have been able to manage the game. That's why I thought they brought Fred on. 
to manage the game. Um, and they tried to go a little bit, well, let, let's be a little bit fancy. And that's always Brazil's undoing. It's always their undoing. They didn't track back in the manner that they should. I think they felt confident that the centre-halves and the goalkeeper would deal with it. And actually, it comes off of one of the centre-halves for the ball to go in the back of the net. And yes, 1-0 up against Croatia is just never enough, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mary. <laughs> no, it isn't. isn't. Isn't it, like, is it worth saying as well, like, for all of this, bringing us back to the random number generator, there is there is a little bit which is true with World Cups. World Cups happen every four years. And in the end, you get knockout games that come down to things that happen once ever. And in this situation, we've all talked about how good Croatia were. I thought they were brilliant and I'm I'm in awe of how they keep winning these games. But it's still a deflection on the shot. It's still, uh, the ball has to come off Marquinhos' leg and go at that angle to beat Alisson. It's still things that happen in football games that are, you know, why it's fun to watch football, yeah. frankly. But that's, yeah, it's not always, it's not always a great big sort of clear narrative to why things happen. No. Um, but but maybe the Croatians will be tired in the semi-final. Who knows? Uh, that'll do. We'll be back in a second. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Sean Ingle reporting for the Guardian about ticket prices for England, France. Um, excitement amongst England fans is increasing in Qatar before their quarterfinal. Ticket prices are on the black market with seats being offered at three times their face value. Uh, England fans were given 7,000 official tickets. About twelve to 15,000 are expected at the stadium on Saturday night. Uh, expats who live over in the Gulf, flying in to swell the numbers. On Friday afternoon, England fans without tickets were being offered Category 1 seats for £850 and Category 2 for £575. On the pitch, Barry, who's going to win? I don't know. I don't know. Um, That's why I'm here to give that sort of expert insight. (laughs) Well, I don't think any of us know. I wonder what Gareth Southgate, I sort of alluded to this earlier, I wonder what Gareth Southgate, presuming he watched that game, will have made of it and the the job Croatia did on Vinny Jr. And he has some big decisions to make. Uh, Does he move to back five? If he does, who misses out? Is it Bellingham? Is it Henderson? Is it Saka? Is it Foden? Is it someone else? Uh, Any of them would be a big loss. Uh, If he plays 3-4-3, France have an extra man in midfield, which I think might be dangerous with um, Antoine Griezmann playing so well in in the pocket, so to speak. But 
while much of the focus on this game has been on how how do England cope with Mbappe, there are a lot of other French players who are fairly handy, and France will have plenty to worry about as well because England have some terrific players. So, is I'm really looking forward to this game. I'm I'm dreading it as well for my own selfish personal <laughs> patriotic reasons. <laughs> And I have no idea how it will go, but I'm really looking forward to watching it and simultaneously may well just hide under my bed for an hour and a half. Do you know what? <laughs> I'm going to just endorse what Barry said there. I don't think there's anyone that can call this game. Everyone that's a so-called expert or, or not, it's going to be a fascinating game of football. And I think that's what makes the World Cup, I think Nicky said it earlier, that's what makes the World Cup so special. Um, you're going to have two teams who are, yeah, they're playing at the height of their game. They've got to be confident. They've got to look at each other and think, yep, we can match them in both areas. We're all right here. But again, it's those that turn up. It's those that stick to the game plan. It's those that also take a chance, take a risk, um, and maybe not just look at the opposition and think, oh, God, look at how many great players they've got. I I, I couldn't call it. I, I honestly couldn't call it. I just think it will be a fascinating game of football. Do you think it will be a good game of football? I have a feeling it might be terrible. No, I've got a feeling it will be a really <laughs> good game of football. I don't Listen, England can't defend. I'm going to say this out there, and as many people are going to tell me that, whatever, I think the 20 minutes or 25 minutes that Senegal ex- exposed England, if that's given to France, there's goals. There's goals in the game. But likewise, I don't think the French are the best at the back either. So for me, that creates a really good scenario for a really good game of football, really open game of football. Um, defensive midfielders are in there, yes, but they're they're also they're not just defensive midfielders. They don't just plot and sit. So I think we're in for an exciting game. Um, 2-1, either way. I don't know. Either way. I think there might be even more goals than that. I, I agree with with, with, with with Troy's sort of thought on it. I, I don't think either, def- either team's defended very well. And of course, like... You end up with, when you're watching international games, well, I end up, I don't know if everyone does, seeing things a bit through the lens that you're used to seeing things through. And I know Teo Hernandez well, and I think there's lots to recommend about him as a footballer, but defending is not one of them. And when you've put Mbappe and Teo Hernandez on the same side of the pitch, and you put Bakayo Saka on that same side of the pitch, I, I, I expect fireworks. I think that game, the game has the potential to be a real, something really explosive, if the managers choose for it to be. I mean, of course... You might respond to that if you're Gareth Southgate by saying, right, we're going to try to completely lock down that right-hand side. Maybe, as Parry said, you even make a choice not to start Saka, which I think would be crazy, but you could. So we'll see. But on paper, I think that both teams, exactly as as Lars was saying about what Risa said, they're best served by going for the jugular. So who comes out on top of that is is fascinating. The other game, Morocco-Portugal. Portugal coach Fernando Santos has said it's high time to leave Cristiano Ronaldo alone. Uh, On the conversation he had with Ronaldo ahead of the Switzerland game, I spoke to him after lunch on the day of the game and invited him into my office. For obvious reasons, Cristiano was not very happy about it as he has always been the starting player. He told me, do you really think it's a good idea? (laughs) To which it would be great if he said, well, fast forward in (laughs) a couple of hours, mate, yes. But we had a normal conversation in which I explained my viewpoints and, of course, he accepted them. We had a frank and normal conversation. It's quite interesting on the preview, Barry, Lars was sort of saying, actually, the way Morocco defend actually is a game where it's not about someone with pace in behind necessarily. And actually, it might be a sensible decision to start Ronaldo, but there's no way he starts Ronaldo. Yeah, I'd agree with Lars on that one, but I 
I would be very surprised if he starts Ronaldo. But uh, I was also surprised when he dropped Ronaldo. Because <laughs> 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 I didn't think he had it in him to do that, uh, Santos. That, you know, Morocco will test Portugal's mettle. Of that, there is absolutely no doubt. I don't think there's any harm in having Ronaldo on the bench and bring him on late doors. If he, there's a very, I think there's an excellent chance this game goes all the way, you know, to extra time. And, you know, we laugh at him, but he is a good option off the bench. Uh, he won't like it, of course, but if he gets to come on and be the hero, then maybe he'll, he'll start coming around to his manager's way of thinking. And actually, Nicky, this game could look a lot like Brazil-Croatia, right? Couldn't it? Who knows, honestly, because if you'd asked me what the last Portugal game was going to look like, I would not have guessed it was going to look anything like that. So, <laughs> no, so I, I a feel a little point. bit sort of, of all the teams in the tournament, they're probably the one I'm, I'm the least certain of what anything will be with them. But Morocco against Spain certainly did a little bit of the, the Croatian backs to the wall when they needed to. They certainly sort of showed that they could um, dig in and, 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 and hold on for the result when they needed to. But... I, I honestly this this game of, of all of them is the one which I feel like I have the least the least handle on what's going to happen and that is because I don't understand this Portugal team anymore because because it's changed completely with the with the dropping of Ronaldo in a good way but still changed completely yeah I just think they uh, I like the look of this Portugal I, do you know I'm gonna go against the grain I, I've always looked like the look of Portugal um got tremendous players right over the right over the squad and the dropping of Ronaldo obviously created something because no one expected six goals. No one expected... I mean, I haven't liked the Switzerland side at all, but the way they, they got the goals as well, the creativity in the team, the movement in the team, and that's where you say, well, maybe beneficial that Ronaldo wasn't playing. And I think they will stick to their guns because I don't see them as a defensive side, although they've got some really good defenders. I just see them as a very proactive side that move through the thirds really well. Um, and create chances really well. And I think Barry said it, if Ronaldo is someone that you have to bring on off the bench to maybe try and get a goal if in, in any kind of circumstance, then that's not a bad place for him to sit. Although the cameras being on him more than the game is not very good because we're really invested in the game. Actually, that, that, uh, that picture of someone took a photo of all the cameras... In front of him. And, and when you see him on the telly, you just think, oh, it's just one person only a camera at Ronaldo. And then you just go, like, there's thousands. absolutely thousands of people. There's a football match on behind them. <laughs> like, like, do you want to turn around? It's there. But like, it's obviously the story. Look, it was quite interesting after after that game. A few people got in touch to say, look, you know, I can't believe you're talking about Ronaldo when there, there was the whole game and all these other players. But like, you can't ignore this huge story and the difference that it makes. Anyway, we, we will see, won't we? A couple of other questions before we go. Charlie says, how would the panel explain... Gillingham having six league goals in 20, but somehow getting to the last 16 of the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup third round. It's a good question, Charlie, <laughs> that we may get to in some detail after the World Cup. Simon says, thoughts on Harry and Meghan? I seem to have heard everyone else's opinions this week. I might as well get yours too. Uh, again, <laughs> Troy's head's in his hands here. Uh, you know, live and let live, I guess. You know, <laughs> do what... They seem to be boiling the piss of all the right people, so I'm, I'm here for that. But then I think those people quite like having their piss boiled because yeah. they, it's quite a lucrative source of income. So yeah. I I have no interest whatsoever in Harry and Meghan and haven't seen 
this documentary or whatever it is and have no plans to watch it in the near future. <laughs> I'm more interested in Gillingham's Carabao Cup progress than I am than I am in Harry and Meghan and, and the lie. I wish them all the very best. Gillingham, Harry and Meghan. Omar says, aside from the football, on the uh, Chesney Chesney topic, uh, which won't go away, and rightly so. Um, thank you, Barney. Uh, my full name is Omar Agostino D'Agostino, but my uncle's actual name is Agostino D'Agostino. At Naples Airport, a passport official just looked at his name and laughed. Um, <laughs> thank you, Omar. I appreciate that. Um, if you have anything to say, you'd like to, footballweeklyattheguardian.com, or you can just send us a tweet to any of us. Uh, but that'll do for today. Thank you, Barry. You're welcome, Matt. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Troy. Pleasure, Max. Thank you. We'll be back after England play. I'm not, I'm not going you know, to get nervous about it. Um, uh, we'll be back after that game tomorrow. Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Max Sanderson. This is The Guardian. 